Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to LettermanRoad.com. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to BuyersAuto.com. Spencer, uh, it is December, and we are looking toward signing day, finally, uh, in what has been the longest, strangest, weirdest, wildest recruiting period uh, ever. And two of Ohio State's top targets in the class of 2021 have made some news in the last few days, so we'll start there. Um, first, we'll, we'll talk about the five-star offensive lineman, Tristan Lee, uh, who has announced that he is going to make his college decision on January 2nd. And, you know, if you've been a watcher, listener, reader of, of Letterman Row, of this show, of myself, uh, I've not been particularly bullish on the Buckeyes' chances. Uh, and Spencer, could you just explain to people why that is? Tell them he what I'm supposed thinking. to make. He was supposed to make the trip for the Buckeye Bash back in, was that October now? That's been over two over a month ago now. Yeah. Wow. It's great. But uh, he was supposed to make that trip and didn't because of some family issues. Uh, he had said that he wanted to still get to Columbus, but you got to check the calendar now. It's December now, and he still hasn't made that trip, even though you know it's not as far of a drive or a flight as Oklahoma and LSU are. Um, it just seems like the effort isn't quite there as much as it is with Oklahoma and with LSU to get on campus for Tristan Lee. Yeah, I mean, that, that really breaks it down. I mean, the, the, trip, the truth is that it is a six-hour drive. And, and, you know, while I understand that family matters do come up, there, it does make it seem like it should be possible to just get to Columbus for the weekend or even a two-day, you know, middle-of-the-week trip if, if you really were interested in, in taking a look. Now, that being said, I mean, the, the talk is out there. It's really it's interesting in the last couple of weeks – it seems like this recruitment is turning into more of an Oklahoma, Ohio State battle uh, as opposed to LSU. And I'm not sure if I buy that entirely, but that is what's kind of being um, talked about, that maybe the distance to LSU combined with the uh, off the field issues down there may be enough to keep him looking closer to uh, the Ohio State, Oklahoma stuff instead. But I can't help but wonder if there's some sort of gamesmanship at play here, because um, and again, maybe this is just the cynic in me. I, I know that people like to think I'm a negative guy, but uh, it seems like the Oklahoma lead there should be pretty healthy. Uh, I know from talking to people that are on the Oklahoma side of things, uh, they feel pretty confident in where they stand with Tristan Lee. And I know that from talking to people on the Ohio State side, they don't. Um, so those things to me indicate that he's likely going to end up committing to Oklahoma on, on January 2nd barring anything happening now between now and then. I and mean, we have a whole month, obviously things can change, but it, it brings me to the next point, which is the Mecca Abuka who's visiting Oklahoma this weekend. And there's this like undercurrent of, uh, I don't want to say rivalry or 
but there's definitely a developing competitiveness between Ohio State and Oklahoma when it comes to recruiting. Um, and Oklahoma trying to get into that upper echelon uh, of, of conversation with Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, et cetera. And I feel like this is a good way for them to do it. If they can come in at the end and, and swipe the rug out from uh, Ohio State when it comes to Ibuka and then sign Tristan Lee, two guys that Ohio State wanted very badly, you can sort of stand on a hilltop and shout, we beat the Buckeyes, we beat the Buckeyes. And I don't know why I think that, but I think that. Well, it's weird to me because these recruitments are kind of similar in a way where I had predicted if Tristan Lee visited Ohio State in October, I thought he was going to commit. And I, I would have stood by that. Even if he visited in October and then didn't commit until January, I would still stand by that because I think that relationship would have grown enough with the commitments to where he would have felt comfortable coming to Columbus and he would have a chance to play fairly early in his career. Um, but then you look at Emeka Abuka and we have been saying it's a little dangerous if he, for Ohio State if he makes that trip to Oklahoma. So it's kind of a, you know, a nice contrast where if Tristan Lee comes to Ohio State, Ohio State feels pretty good about their chances of, of landing him. Whereas if Emeka Abuka goes to Oklahoma for a visit, then Ohio State's got to feel a little worse about landing him. So it's just yeah. an interesting little uh, dynamic that the Buckeyes are trying to deal with right now when it comes to both of those guys. So Abuka is visiting Oklahoma this weekend. He's visiting for the Baylor game. Um, and even though he's not allowed to meet with the coaches, he is going to be allowed to go to the football game. He is going to hang out with Caleb Williams and other commits and recruits that are there. Um, again, how the NCAA allows this to have two totally different sets of rules for, for different leagues, I don't really know, but uh, I'm not in charge. So I guess – I should just shut up about that. Um, well, what we do know is that he is making the trip. And the, the development there really is that it gives him an opportunity to enroll early if he wants it. Um, I know that there has been discussion already uh, with Emeka uh, at Ohio State and Oklahoma. I don't know about it, Washington. So I'm going to be as clear as I can. I, I don't know if he's done this there, but I know that there have been uh, some movement on filling out enrollment applications at Ohio State and Oklahoma. Uh, I assume that the same thing has happened at Washington, just in case he's ready to to go in in uh, January. the The bottom line for him is whether or not he's going to be able to play football uh, in the spring in Washington, and that remains up in the air. So he's just sort of covering all of his bases, um, but there's nothing to indicate one way or the other which base he's running toward. What you do know is that. Ohio State has been the leader in that recruitment for almost two years. And that is a long time to be in the front for a recruit who lives 3,000 plus miles away and who's never been committed anywhere and who doesn't talk to anybody really. And, uh, you know, it, they there's an old adage that if you're in front, if you're the leader in a recruitment, it just means everyone knows who they're gunning for. And so it's not always a good thing. Like, and Ohio State clearly has been. Uh, in front for a long time. And I, I, I've heard it described and read it described as maybe Ohio State peaked too early with Emeka Abuka. And I don't know that that's the case because I, I don't think that there's a problem by peaking. Uh, but certainly it has plateaued, I think. And like that is, you know, the relationship is what it is. He's been on campus multiple times. He's very familiar with Ohio State coaches, with the Ohio State players, with the Ohio State offense, with the Ohio State everything. And 
I think it does afford an opportunity to a place like Oklahoma to come in and say, hey, well, we do this, this, and this. We're different this way. We're different this way. You know, at Ohio State, you have all these freshmen that are, you know, going to be freshmen again next year if they want to be. Um, they can sort of turn the focus away from the fact that in their recruiting class, he'd be like the fifth wide receiver. So, and that, does he, he probably doesn't care about that. I mean, he's the number one ranked receiver in the country, right? I mean, he, he's going to be comfortable going wherever he goes, but I think if you look at the path here, it, it's, it is interesting that making this trip was so important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think uh, the, there's a recency bias take that you could make from this. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you hear things, uh, you know, Brian Hartline can only say so much, you know, he's a great right. recruiter and he doesn't like to be called a recruiter. He's a great developer of relationships with high school athletes that may play at Ohio state. <laughs> there we'll, we'll put it that way. That's but, that's the long winded way to get there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But there, there is only so much he can say, even though he's really good at what he does say. And, you know, after two years, you're kind of, you know, uh, tapped out. Yeah, you just keep beating that same drum and, and, and the beat gets old, you know, and, and it's not that it's getting old on a Mecca, but I think that when, when you bring somebody like Lincoln Riley into the fold and you make it known that, you know, you can do this at Oklahoma, same thing you can do at Ohio State, you can do this, this and this. It's a new message. And I think that yeah. is something that's moving the needle in this recruitment a little bit, just because you, you kind of get not that he's getting tired of hearing the message, but you get a little tired of hearing. It. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what they're going to do in Norman this weekend. His family, obviously, as we've talked about, is very uh, focused on academics. And I, I know you can't do anything in Oklahoma. You're not allowed to go visit any of the, uh, you know, academic institutions on campus. You're not allowed to visit with coaches. So it's really just a chance to see what Norman is about and, and, and I guess, hang out with um, Caleb Williams. But I'll, I'm going to say this in as flat out a term as I can, and I don't want it to sound negative or whatever. But if playing with Caleb Williams is the most important thing in the recruitment of Emeka Buka, then so be it. I mean, then he's, that's, that's, what, that's the most important thing. Um, academically, Ohio State is obviously um, the best of the options he's looking at. I think he knows that. Obviously, there's value in staying close to home in Washington. Oklahoma is exciting and there's a good relationship with Caleb Williams and a, and a developing relationship with their coaching staff. I don't know that this weekend is going to be enough to overtake Ohio State, but I, and I'm, I'm not wanting to dismiss the fact that it was obviously very important for him to make this visit. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It is running rampant around the country. Uh, he didn't want to risk making the trip in, in August when he was initially supposed to go to Oklahoma because of the, the pandemic. Um, it seems interesting timing wise now that it's so important to go to me that lends to the theory that he is planning on just enrolling early somewhere. Um, because otherwise why do this now if, if you're really going to hold off? Um, but that, that's what's happening. I mean, he's going to go visit Oklahoma and, and Brian Hartline and Ryan day and the Buckeyes are going to have to find a way to say, Hey, it doesn't matter that we have Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba and G Scott. doesn't matter that we have, Marvin Harrison and Jaden Ballard, what matters is that we're the best spot for you to get developed. And it'll take you one year of playing at Ohio state to get to the NFL. And, you know, it, it is an interesting discussion because Oklahoma's offense is obviously enticing. It's not like it's a program that doesn't throw the ball. It's not like it's a program that doesn't develop receivers because they do. So, um, you know, there is some, some back and forth. 
yeah, you're not recruiting against like Florida State here, you know. You know, but I, right. also, I think I think Ohio State's best pitch is probably an NFL pipeline right now for him because I think the best thing to say is, look, you know, look at what uh, I don't want to throw names out there, but I guess I will throw like Mark, a guy like Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, like that guy has not really panned out so far in the NFL. And then you look at a guy who I think came in the same draft class as him, Terry McLaurin, who is just blowing yeah. up, and and he wasn't even as good in college, I guess by number standards. So it's just interesting. I think Ohio State can use that pro pipeline when you start directly recruiting against Oklahoma because for a long time, Ohio State had to recruit against four or five schools with academics and everything. Now you can start to sell that NFL thing at the end. Yeah, I mean, and that's, again, the question is, and I've said this a few times in the last few months, what's the most important thing? Is it academics? Because that's what the that's what the mantra was in the beginning and throughout the majority of his recruitment. Is it the chance to be developed? Is it the chance to cl- stay close to home? Is it playing with one particular quarterback? I mean, there, there's, again, all three of these schools have a five-star quarterback. All three of them have offenses that are um, attractive. All three of them have good relationships with the receivers coaches and, and, and the head coaches. So it's not like there's any real advantage here for anyone other than potentially Ohio State because they've been in front for so long. Uh, and the relationship may be better with the parents uh, for him at Ohio State, especially with his mother, who's who's been on the, the trip with him to Columbus. So, you know, that's the real rub of it, I guess. And we could talk about Emeka Buka for the next month, and we probably will. Um, you know, but I think the important thing for Ohio State here, Spencer, is to have clarity one way or the other, to know what he's going to do before signing day, because the Buckeyes were very, very close from what I understand to offering Marcus Allen uh, down at uh, Clayton Northmont in Ohio, who then committed to Wisconsin last month. And if you know on December 10th or 12th or 13th, whatever, that Abuka is going to end up going somewhere else. If you know, then you can at least have an opportunity to reevaluate and say, hey, maybe we need to, to offer someone else with two weeks to go. Uh, before signing day, if getting a third receiver is paramount, which again, that's been the plan all along. That's why we've always talked about Troy Stilato and Abuka because they want three receivers in that class of 2021. So you sort of need to know ASAP what Abuka is going to do so that you can make another uh, call if, you, if you're going to, because after signing day in this cycle, in this economy, there is no opportunity to really go out and find a, a diamond in the rough. A lot of kids haven't even played senior uh, football there's no opportunity to get people on visits there's no opportunity to go evaluate in person so like if you're not sure of someone right now you haven't seen enough on tape from a senior season how do you offer anyone else well with the firm i have to ask and i guess a lot of ohio state fans will hear what you said about 2021 and taking three receivers and ask the same question the, there's momentum with these receivers in the 2022 class if you don't get a mecca buka let's just say they don't wouldn't you rather keep that that third receiver spot kind of translated to the 2022 class? I know that's not black and white like that, but translate it to that 2022 class and maybe see if you can take a third in 2022 just because the numbers are going to be a little tight. You don't know what the roster situation is going to be because of the extra year of eligibility. You know, if you don't get a Buka, don't take a flyer on somebody when you could land, you know, a couple of the top target wide receivers that you're going after in that 2022 class, because that class is going to fill up quickly. Uh, I completely agree with you. Um, Whether or not Ohio state does at this point, I don't know. Obviously it's different when you are 
chasing the number one ranked receiver, a five-star receiver, a, a guy who could be a pro in three years like Abuka, uh, or a, a developmental kid, uh, you know, a kid that needs a little bit more time. This is sort of the rub when building a roster. You have to have both parts, right? You have to have that instant hit, and you have to have that guy who can develop four or five years down the road and and, and help fill in um, roster spots down the road. So I don't know. Uh, that is a, the million-dollar question for Ohio State, but it's also why they sort of need to know uh, what is going on with Emeka Abuka entirely. Now, the, what we do know, he's visiting Oklahoma this weekend. Ohio State knew about that trip before it became public knowledge. So at least there's confidence there that the, the relationship is good enough that he's telling them that. Um, and so I guess we'll see where it goes. And the, the truth is he's never been committed to Ohio State. And, you know, a two-year lead in a recruitment is, is hard to maintain. And we'll see if, if Brian Hartline and the Buckeyes are able to pull it off. Um, Spencer, I wanted to go back here and we'll talk about a guy who was once committed to Ohio State um, and Jaden would be uh, the safety from Florida State. I know that's probably going to be asked about by people. So let's just dive into it right now. About 45 minutes ago on this Wednesday morning, he announced that he was going to be leaving Florida State as a graduate transfer. The question obviously is going to come up, uh, especially considering Ohio State's obvious need at safety. Would the Buckeyes be interested? Uh, Again, this is a situation where I'm, I'm going to say my answer, which is I would absolutely be interested if I was Ohio State, but I am not Ohio State. Uh, and I don't know if they are going to be. And to be honest, I don't think they know if they are going to be. It happened 45 minutes ago. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time to do it uh, with signing day coming up because he said he's going to be a grad transfer. He's not going to the NFL. He probably could go to the NFL and be a late round pick probably. But you know, if you get that one more year and you have a really good breakout year and you become, you know, let's just say he's an All-American in safety wherever he lands, you're talking a lot more money. So I think it's better for him to go the grad transfer route. I know that's not why we're talking about it, but it is important for, for that. You get in the transfer portal or the graduate transfer portal. I don't even know if there's a difference before signing day. So teams know, hey, if we don't have a safety, it's okay if we don't get one on signing day because there are guys in the portal that we can go, we can go try yeah. and grab. And, you know, this is a top 35 prospect um, looking at his 24 seven page right now, the number four safety in the country in 2018, who was probably going to Ohio state was going to be going to Ohio state. He was committed there for a long time, I believe. And uh, so the relationship is obviously there. I believe he was committed to the Buckeyes when was it when Kerry Combs was there. So there is a relationship there. So you have to wonder if they're going to be interested because do you have a lot of defensive backs in the 2021 class? Yes, absolutely. It's a loaded defensive backs class. Uh, but those guys are not all going to be ready to take the field for the Buckeyes to win a national championship in 2021. Yeah, and Jaden was committed to Ohio State for over a year in the class of 2017. He was the reason that Wyatt Davis was interested in Ohio State. I mean, he's he was a former you know All-American out at St. Uh, John's Bosco in, in California. And, you know, the school that produced Wyatt Davis and Court Williams, um, he is ironically, he's sort of the guy that opened the door to Ohio State to that school and then flipped to Florida State two days before signing day um, for some reason being uh, convinced by Willie Taggart that he was going to develop him for the NFL uh, at Florida State. Of course, Willie Taggart is no longer the coach at Florida State and probably never should have been. And. Now he's leaving Florida State. So we'll see. I, I, again, 
I think that there's going to at least be a, you know, proverbial kicking of the tires there, but it, this happened within the hour and there aren't any decisions made at Ohio state yet about what they're going to do in that respect, because quite frankly, um, you know, they're worrying about Michigan state. So um, I, I did go ahead. I will add though, like this is not like a three-star safety that is having a good season somewhere and is going to decide to try and level up. Like this is a, again, a top 35 prospect that was wanted by most of the schools in the country. And the name recognition is there inside these recruiting departments. You have to believe that schools are going to act fit and act quickly. So it, you know, Ohio state obviously needs to have all of its attention on Michigan state, Michigan, big 10 title game and getting to the college football playoff at the same time though, Along with this recruiting class, if you're going to be interested in this guy, I think you might want to act quickly because I feel like there's going to be a lot of interest from a lot of big time programs trying to get this guy on campus. Yeah, the timing is interesting. Jaden had a pretty serious leg injury early in his career. He's back. He's healthy. He's playing well for Florida State. um, But obviously that program is in disarray and uh, there is no value to, to staying there for another year um, as he prepares for his NFL dreams. So um, Spencer, I did want to circle back a few months ago, you and I got a little bit of guff from folks, um, when we, I don't want to say we laughed off Tennessee's, uh, no, summertime, summer. Oh, okay. We did. We laughed off Tennessee's summertime recruiting success. Um, and basically said, you know, eventually they have to play football again. And once they started playing football again, a lot of these big names would end up leaving their class, um, and do you want to say it? Uh, we told you so. Okay. I mean, listen, Terrence Lewis, the five-star linebacker from uh, Miami, is decommitted from Tennessee. Ohio State is not going to be uh, recruiting him, but I just think it's, you know, there there's things that happen in the world of college football recruiting for a reason, and, and these these patterns are patterns because they're patterns, um, and it's it's obvious when you've been watching us for a while, um, how things are going to transpire. And some kids you just know are going to decommit and it's not even necessarily from where they're committed to. I mean, the fact that he was committed to Tennessee only intensified the likelihood of that happening. But even a guy like Tumiche Adeleye, who decommitted from Ohio state, I mean, he's, he was committed to Ohio state and, and still, you just kind of knew that there was an opportunity or a potential that he would end up leaving the class um, at some point. And eventually I think he'll end up signing with Alabama, which ironically both of Ohio State's decommitments in the class of 2021 will probably end up at Alabama. So that's interesting. Um, I do want to touch on that point now that I'm just rambling. Also, there has been internet fluttering, scuttlebutt, twittering, tweetering. I, I like to say the word tweetering. Spencer. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, there, there's been some discussion uh, about the potential, I guess, for Devontae Smith to end up back in the Ohio State recruiting class. Um, and I don't I don't think people should get their hopes up for that. I just feel like maybe that that bridge uh, is gone uh, for him to return to the class, not just because of the fact that, you know, he decommitted or anything like that. It's not like the Buckeyes are holding a grudge. It just with the six defensive backs committed. There is, I think, some stability and comfort with who they have and maybe not being sure exactly how Devontae would fit into that um, allows them to just say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to stand pat with who we've got. So and this is also not a Tunmiche 
uh, decision where he decommits and then you're trying to figure out who the next defensive end you bring in is or defensive lineman that you bring in is because you don't really know his position. This is one of those things where uh, Devontae Smith, who, you know, stars, whatever you want to say about recruiting stars, a three-star or low four-star cornerback decommitted, and they got Jordan Hancock a couple weeks later. So this is not a situation where they're scrambling, looking for cornerbacks. If they were in that situation, I think it would probably be a little more likely, you know, that the internet rumors could, could, you know, maybe sprout up into being something. But in this situation, you know, you traded, traded Alabama Devontae Smith, and then you got Jordan Hancock, the number one corner on the board for Ohio State, the entire recruiting cycle. So what are we, you know, what are we actually talking about here when it comes to, you know, do you need this guy or do you want him in your class after he's already decommitted once? It's just interesting to me that the, the little dynamic in that recruitment and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, again, the roster makeup is, is still up in the air for next year. And the question is whether or not you need a seventh defensive back. I don't think that the Buckeyes want to do that, especially if it's another guy that can't necessarily play right away because he needs to either get in the weight room or develop which is takes us back to the Jaden Woodby thing. Like, I think if you're going to go out and get a, another guy that it would make more sense to have it be a player like Woodby, who's played four years of college football and can come in and, you know, help right away as opposed to someone that needs to spend some time developing. So uh, that is the end of our show for today. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row. Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to Byers Auto. If you're looking to talk stuff, come back here and talk with me and Spencer. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll be back uh, in a few days. Have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.